David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 9.07 a.m. February the 8th, 2019, and it is Friday. 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 Oh, thank God. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, what are we doing today? Um, tell you a little bit about a new book uh, for permaculture that I'm reading. Uh, we'll do the morning roundup. We got a lot of stuff in the morning roundup. We're going to do vital statistics. Hey, it's a good PAMP day, right? Uh, we'll go into Torchlight, where we're talking about the uh, LN trust chain uh, started by our good friend Hodelot. Then we'll do... Uh, Hopefully Marty's bent. Uh, Marty is uh, has not uh, released it yet. So if it's not up by the time that I get to you know have to render this down, I won't be able to do it. We'll do daily train wrecked. I got a good one for you. Uh, terrible joke corner again from bad joke cat. And then uh, we'll get out and uh, get on with our our business of the weekend. Right. All right. So uh, the new book. Um, I'm, I am still reading permaculture, uh, uh, the designer's manual from Bill Mollison. So, uh, I, I will be bringing more of that stuff to you, but, uh, I've, I'm in, like, you know, I'm just in at the first part of chapter three. And if I haven't told you guys, this thing is a tome, man, this is like a freaking huge book. It's a textbook really. Uh, and I'm only, you know, getting into chapter three and already Bill has talked or at least made mention several times through chapters one, chapter two, now in chapter three about a dude named P.A. Yeomans who was, uh, he's either lived, lived in Australia or Tasmania. I can't remember which it was one of those two. I'm pretty sure it's Bill Mollison that's from Tasmania and, um, and uh, P.A. Yeomans is, uh, was an Australian. Anyway, so he keeps talking about P.A. Yeomans. And P.A. Yeomans was this dude that um, he started what's called Keyline Design. And his whole thing, now he's, he's, got, he, he's got a book. I think his son uh, edited a whole bunch of his stuff together and uh, released a book called Water for Every Farm. And P.A. Yeomans, essentially what he did is, or what he's concerned about is, I mean, he's concerned about the things that are, you know, permanent and, and he's concer- clear, clearly concerned about agriculture, but he's more focused on nothing but the soil, specifically water on soil. How do we look at topography of land? How do we look at the undulations of the land? How do we use it for our benefit to do one thing and one thing above all else? And that is to trap, store, and use water on our land, whether it's the very smallest plot of land that you have or broad acre, you know, like, like, multiple sections of land. And he's a guy that uh, came up with a, a contraption called um, <clears throat> the, it's a, a key line plow. Other people call it a yeoman's plow. Essentially it's a great big hook that you put on a, uh, the end of a tractor and you need a tractor with, with a decent amount of horsepower because this thing, it's, it's if you think about it, it's like it's trailering. Uh, the contraption is, Clearly, it's trailered behind a tractor, and it has a shank that goes straight down. And at the end of that shank is like the um, 
is like a bow plane of a ship. Um, so it looks like, like if you were to hook your finger and, or shove your finger into the ground, like soft ground and hook it towards your hand and then pull, you'd be basically pulling a trench. And that's exactly what this thing does, but it does it anywhere between, you know, eight and 16 inches. And I think there's, I think there's a yeoman shank that goes down to 24 inches, uh, which is, um, you're going to be needing a lot of horsepower to pull this shank through, uh, uh, down 24 inches uh, across the landscape. Now it's not a, it's not really a plow. The bow plane that's on the the bottom of this thing explodes the subsoil, but it does it deep, you know, in the depths of the ground underneath uh, where the shank goes in. So it doesn't even really kick up any dust. All it does is loosen up the soil. Now he specifically calls for a couple of ways, uh, a couple of ways to do this. And, and one of the ways that you do it is you get the, you lay out on the ground that you want a key line and you follow the topology. And what that means is if you look at a topographic map and you look at the contour lines, you, you follow those lines because those contour lines, the way contour lines work is that water flows at a 90 degree angle or, or, you know, yeah, at a 90 degree angle uh, down away from those contour lines. So when you rip through the landscape down to like 12, 18 inches or something like that and explode the subsoil way down there so it's completely loosened, but you kind of only see like a little you know, the, the, the trench that it leaves is only the width of the shank going into the ground, which is like, you know, maybe an inch wide or something like that of the, of the steel. <clears throat> but what happens as it, as it blows out or blows up the, the subsoil, um, it completely loosens everything underneath there. So it's really good to decompact really highly compacted soils. But if you don't, step on this on this land where it's where you've exploded the subsoil on contour then it doesn't recompress and what happens is every time you get a rain event the water is will will hit that line and go straight down and so his whole pa yeoman's entire deal is you want to capture the water you want to slow the water down and you want to soak the water in so you basically it's it it's like capture slow and then let it infiltrate into the ground so that it's I mean it's not like the water's never going to go where it's originally going to go it's just going to take a lot longer for it to get there and while it's on your land while that water and that moisture is in the ground then life can start rebuilding itself and it's life in the soil that actually rebuilds soil so there, there's going to be some concepts in there that I want to bring because they, again, they do match in some cases some of the overarching themes of uh, economy because water is energy. And if you can harness that energy, um, you, can make, you can put it to work for you just like anything else. So um, when I get deeper into that book and kind of figure out exactly uh how these starts matching up i'll I'll start bringing back uh some more permaculture stuff uh meanwhile though we got uh we got news we got all kinds of cool stuff going on so i want to start with at not grubles um he put out a tweet uh because he has published a medium.com article Um, i'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a tutorial but he says tldr I received with my sat node a BTC address from the anonymous, quote, post-Soviet, end quote, and sent them some BTC completely offline via a mesh network. This setup allows you to receive and send BTC during network and or power outages. So we'll take, let me take a look. Um, because it's like the last paragraph is is really where uh, um, kind of clarifies what he just said. <clears throat> he says at the very bottom, to clarify what just happened, 
I run a Blockstream satellite receiver, which receives Bitcoin data and arbitrary data broadcasted by the satellite API. An anonymous person in some undisclosed location broadcasted a journal and BTC address. Now, this is me talking. Um, we, we saw that. Uh, I think that ha- actually happened a, a few weeks ago. Um, I, I covered it. I, I can't remember which uh, which one I did, but it was a, it was a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> Continuing. Using their BTC address, I generated an offline transaction with my SAT node, signed it with a hardware wallet, and finally broadcasted it outbound to my local mesh network. network. The transaction was included in a block, beamed down from space, and my SAT node verified the data. Electrum Wallet displayed the transaction as confirmed. No expensive internet subscription required. Thanks for reading. All right, so what is this thing? It's a tutorial on how to do what he just said he did, right? Uh, using a block, the Blockstream satellite stuff, uh, like a you know, grab yourself an old Dish network or DirecTV, uh, Parabolic, and uh, LNB. And if you guys don't know what an LNB is, I can't remember what it stands for. I used to install Dish network. Uh, like 10 years ago or 12 years ago. Um, so I kind of, I, I, I know, I know enough about this stuff to get myself in trouble. Um, but Grubles, he goes through like, you know, exactly what hardware you need, or he's using exactly what software he's using. He gives step-by-step instructions on how to get all this thing, you know, this, this whole thing, uh, up and running. I it would assume, however, that you kind of already have the Blockstream satellite receiver set up, and I believe Jamison Lop. You can find him on Twitter at lopp. Uh, Jamison, if I remember correctly, has a pretty good set of tutorials uh, of him setting up his uh, his sat uh, sat node for the Blockstream satellite stuff. In either event, uh, I've I've got. As usual, I will have all this stuff in my curated Twitter timeline so that you can go read it for yourself. And that uh, is linked in the show notes to this show. So you can go find it, find it there. Um, in either event, coming up the stack, uh, more Quadriga fun. So Quadriga CX, as you may have heard, <laughs> is having some you know, issues. Their founder died. Apparently, he's the only guy that owned the knew where the keys were, blah, 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 blah. So CryptoSumer at CryptoSumer.com has a a story about this that is sort of an update, and this is from this morning, February the 8th. Expert claims Quadriga CX funds not stuck but missing altogether. The $145 million in digital assets that are reportedly stuck in encrypted cold wallet storage of Quadriga CX crypto exchange could actually be missing, according to analysts cited by the Wall Street Journal on February the 6th. In December 2018, the founder of major Canadian cryptocurrency exchange Quadriga CX, Gerald Cotton, passed suddenly. Cotton was reportedly the sole executive with access to the exchange's cold wallets. As such, customers have been unable to withdraw funds owed to them in the exchange has sought creditor protection in Canadian court, which they actually did receive. A filing from Ernst & Young states Quadriga was unable to access the cold wallets and or discovered that the cold wallets contained minimal cryptocurrency units. Big four auditing firm Ernst & Young was appointed as independent third party to monitor the creditor protection proceedings. Users of the platform have grown suspicion of the circumstances surrounding Cotton's death, with some asking for an obituary or proof of death. Yesterday, Bloomberg reported that Cotton filed a will 12 days before his death. Cotton reportedly signed his last will and testament in November of 2018, designating his wife as the only beneficiary and the executor of his estate. James Edwards, a cryptocurrency analyst who publishes research on zero nonsense, reportedly reviewed the publicly available transactions of the exchange and found no evidence that the exchange controlled any of the wallets it claimed to. It appears that there are no identifiable cold wallet reserves for Quadriga CX, he purportedly wrote in a report. 
According to Edwards, there is evidence to suggest that wallets with larger balances once existed, but those balances are very low. Currently, the largest wallet is apparently a hot wallet, which is used for transactional purposes. Other experts and execs in the cryptosphere have expressed their skepticism regarding the exchange's financial woes. Elementus Group CEO Max Galka said it was, quote, extremely likely that there aren't any cold wallets, end quote. The CEO of crypto exchange Kraken, Jesse Powell, tweeted on February the 2nd that the story was bizarre and frankly unbelievable. Powell even suggested that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police contact his exchange as it has thousands of wallet addresses known to belong to Quadriga CX that Kraken is investigating. Mm. Earlier today, the British Columbia Securities Commission, BCSC, told Reuters that Quadriga CX does not fall under the commission's regulatory purview. The exchange was unregulated, and there was reportedly no indication that it traded securities or operated as an exchange. So there you go. Um, it's the Wild West, people. It's going to be the Wild West for, for a while. Uh, seeking protection in this space is akin to, oh, I don't know, putting a bag of money on a park bench somewhere in Battery Park in in New York and walking away from it and then expecting it to be there when it comes back. Don't do shit like that. It's not financially healthy. Uh, going up the stack, we have uh, Bitcoin Magazine is going to go back into print, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Print an actual copy of a magazine that you can hold in your hand and, oh, I don't know, read on your couch or in bed or something and actually be able to feel paper. For those of you who have never felt that feeling, I got to say my heart goes out to you. Okay, so let's get let's uh, get into this one because this is kind of this is kind of cool. They don't need to do this. I, I I wonder exactly why. So let's find out and see if they say why they're doing this. All right, this is from clearly from Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, there's no author line. Okay, in May 2012, the first print copy of Bitcoin Magazine, the original publication devoted exclusively to Bitcoin, made its debut. Founded by Vitalik Buterin and Mahi Lis, the first edition with its iconic anonymous mask on the cover has become one of the most sought-after collectibles in the Bitcoin space. Buterin and... I'm, I, 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 I'm sorry that I butcher people's names. A-L-I-S-I-E. Alisi. I'm going to go with Alisi. Buterin and Elisi later joined forces with Orlando, Florida-based coin publishing LLC to produce 22 issues. BTC Media, now BTC Inc., acquired Bitcoin Magazine in 2014 and moved the publication entirely online. Today, on the anniversary of Bitcoin's Genesis block, we are extremely... Oh, wow, this is, this is all the way back from January the 2nd, and I haven't heard anything about this. Wow. All right. Uh, today, on the anniversary of Bitcoin Genesis Block, we are extremely excited to announce that the first print edition of Bitcoin Magazine in five years will come off the presses in the summer of 2019. Like the earlier print editions of Bitcoin Magazine, this newest version will be chock full of informative articles about Bitcoin, but this time informed by the experience that 10 years of Bitcoin has brought us. Like the very first edition, we'll look back at the brilliant cypherpunks and early contributors who made Bitcoin possible. Then we'll chronicle some of the advances that have brought Bitcoin into the present, as well as those that promise to carry it into the future. We'll be focusing on the builders, the community leaders, the advocates, and the evangelists. We'll bring many of those voices to the pages of Bitcoin Magazine to tell their own stories and give their insights. There will be many stories of goals set, challenges met, and obstacles still to overcome, as well as reflections on some of the growing pains that this nascent industry has experienced. Back in 2012, Vitalik and Mihai were handing out Bitcoin magazine from their backpacks to anyone with even a fleeting interest in some mysterious magic internet money. Today, with 10 years of history behind it, Bitcoin is almost a household name, and more and more people are curious about the digital gold that they've been hearing about. Our intention is to distribute tens of thousands of copies at hundreds of locations and events around the world. We hope you'll look forward to this new print edition of Bitcoin magazine with as much eager anticipation as we will. 
and that you will help spread the news right along with us. So cool. Coming back into print. I, I mean, I grew up with books and magazines, man, you know, so I, I like having a magazine. I don't know why I like having a book. Um, it's not like I, you know, don't like my Kindle. I do. It's, it's freaking awesome. But sometimes there's nothing like a book, especially with some of the books that I'm reading now that are filled with figures, Oh, you know, figures and sketches and, and all kinds of stuff that you really need to actually be able to see. And it's not just artwork, you know, it's not just artwork. It's like, I need to zoom in and, and look at the stuff. And if you've ever done that on a Kindle, it's a pain in the ass when I can just have a book and just look at the damn thing. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> up the stack, we've got uh, a peer-to-peer conference from Bitcoin2019conference.com, a two-day event for the Bitcoin community. Now, normally, I really, I mean, I've never gone to any of these things. I've never gone to any meetup. I've never gone to, you know, flown across the country to go to some, you know, consensus or whatever, you know, I, I, I just, I just don't. Um, I, I don't normally do that in any other industry that I'm interested in either, because it's just, it's flight cost, hotel cost, food. I mean, everything becomes really expensive. But the reason I w- want to talk about this one is we're coming off the heels of a lot of people bitching and moaning about um, Satoshi Roundtable and that it costs a lot to get out there and you have to be invited. And then we've had, you know, lots of people grumbling about, you know, conferences and tickets are costing like 1200 bucks. I've heard that something, I can't remember what, but something costs like three grand just for the freaking tickets. You know, Whatever. So the reason that I'm I'm talking to you guys about this is the fact that uh, these tickets are costing like a hundred bucks. <laughs> okay. So an annual event for the Bitcoin community, Bitcoin 2019. From a white paper, some code, and a simple message, Chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks. An idea was born that was so powerful it ignited a revolution. Captivated by Bitcoin's potential, individuals from around the world came together and formed a community to develop it. After 10 years of bugs, hacks, scams, civil war, breakthroughs and fortunes gained and lost, Bitcoin has spread like a virus around the world and has set the stage for a new financial system. Bitcoin's future has never been brighter, but much of the fun and positive spirit that got us here has been abstracted away. It's time for that to change. The mission of Bitcoin 2019 is to reignite the BTC community by advancing shared goals and highlighting the people and organizations bringing them into reality. From the biggest miners and most active core devs to Fortune 500 companies and darkneck markets, sweet, this will be a yearly gathering of old and new friends that inclusively reimagines the narrative around digital value and manifest an amenable answer to the question, why does this technology matter? awesome. Totally awesome, man. So yeah. It, and like I said, it looks like the tickets are like a hundred bucks. Yep. Tickets are a hundred dollars, low price, high access. That's what they, that's what they say about their price. So where is it? It's in San Francisco, Pier 35, 1454, the M. San Francisco, California, 94133. So, uh, looks like a new conference is coming up. I hope it doesn't turn into like another South by Southwest where, cause I used to go to, to South by Southwest. I'm talking, I got a, I actually got a picture sitting right here on my mic stand. David, David Bennett from linear productions, Midland, Texas, South by Southwest 91. Yeah. I went to the second South by Southwest there ever was. And that's when it was at the Hyatt Regency on the river in Austin, now it's like, I think they've run out of room at the convention center in Austin. I mean, I was, dude, I was there when it was like, God, Mar- I remember being on a, or a, going to a panel called Signed and Dropped at South by Southwest. And it had, a, oh, Marsha Ball was on it. Um, God, there was, um, a, oh, a, a, the, I think it was like either the lead singer or the bass player of, um, Oh, who the hell was it? 
George's satellites. Yeah. He wasn't actually not even on the panel. He was in the freaking audience. And he was talking about his issue of getting signed and dropped. Anyway, that's 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 a whole my God, that's a whole other life. But uh yeah, South by Southwest turned into this freaking rich dudes fest. And you are, you can like hardly afford to get into the damn thing. Whereas back in the day, I think I paid I think I paid two hundred and fifty dollars. And that gave me the 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 badge, not the wristband. I actually got the badge, which meant I could go to anywhere, I could go to any venue, and I would be walked up to the front of the freaking line. And I didn't even know that. I didn't know that the badge would do that. I was standing at the Mercado Caribe in Austin at the back of the line. Dude at the head of the freaking door or whatever literally yells at me and just starts waving me in. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. At first, I thought I did something wrong. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, you can go on in. I'm like, why? Everybody else is waiting in line. He's like, no, you got a badge. Badges get in. I'm like, holy shit, dude. So yeah, we got a ton. Me and a buddy of mine got a ton of live music, uh, our, our live music fix uh, during that. And it was only four days long. Think about that. The whole South by Southwest in 1990, 1991. And then I went again in 1992 was like four days. Uh, it was like it started on a Friday and everybody left on Monday. Wow. Doesn't look like that anymore. Okay, so uh, that was the conference. Now we get to a blockcrypto.com. The number of ICOs in Q4 2018 increased, but more failed to raise funds, according to ICO Bench Quarterly Report. And this is from theblockcrypto.com. Although the number of initial coin offerings completed in Q4 of 2018 has grown since Q3, ICOs raised together a quarter less than they had in the previous quarter, according to a report by ICO Bench. Q4 saw almost 594 ICOs completed, 40 more compared to Q3 2018. Unfortunately, the growth is not reflected in the number of ICOs that raised funds. Both Q3 and Q4 saw 209 ICOs raise funds. Wow. While the projects raised less money, the ICO bench claims the number of funds raised every month was stable when November's price shock is taken into consideration. The total funds raised by ICOs in Q4 fell from $1.8 billion in Q3 to $1.4 billion. However, since almost nine of the 10 projects accepted Ethereum, which lost 43% of its value in November, the raised value might be understated when represented in USD, ICO Bench wrote. The report said, quote, Singapore is the top country by both the number of funds raised and the number of ICOs completed in Q4. So, yeah, um, if they kept all their money in Ethereum, yeah, they got roasted, roasted alive. And all the people that had their original ICOs back in the days of, what, 2016, 2017, and, like, yeah, um, they got roasted. They got roasted as well. Um, we'll, we'll just have to – I mean, it's, I think it's going to take a lot longer for all this dust to settle than we might think because – new clouds of dust keep getting kicked back up by every idiot who's able to actually market themselves as somebody who's not just a snake oil salesman. So <clears throat> there you go. Uh, next up into the stack. Okay. Yeah. We've cut, this has been going around a little bit. <clears throat> um, but yeah, a Bitcoin SVs op return upgrade exploited to store child abuse imagery. <coughs> A change to the Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision BSV protocol has led to child exploitation material being posted to its blockchain, the next web reports. In chains, Bitcoin SV developer Shatters recently came together with developers and miners to lift the op return limits, enabling a single transaction to hold up to 100 kilobytes of arbitrary data. As a result, entire web pages, images, and audio can be stored in one transaction. The upgrade did not require a hard fork as the parameter could be increased with miners simply agreeing on the limit. The child exploitation content 
was found to be uploaded through a transaction processed by MoneyButton, a BSV-specific wallet application. BSV's immutable nature means that the illegal content will remain hosted by the blockchain unless developers agree to undergo a hard fork to roll back the unwanted transactions. Let that sit in your ears and ring out for just a little bit. In fact, let's read it again. BSV's immutable nature means that the illegal content will remain hosted by the blockchain unless developers agree to undergo a hard fork to roll back the unwanted transactions. By definition, it's not immutable. Ladies and gentlemen, by definition, that's not immutable. Now, even if it did, if there was a rollback that did occur, then the developers did come together and say, yeah, we got to get this shit off. Guarantee what's going to happen? Hard fork. Hard fork. Because there's going to be people in that BSV community that are not going to stand for a uh, rollback. They're, they're not going to, they're not going to allow a DAO and there's not going to be enough of them probably because it's such a small, small amount of people that actually give a crap about BSV. Um, there, it's going to, re- no matter what happens, that thing's going to result in a, in another hard fork It's going to split their chain. So the only way this thing can become immutable is if they don't do any, if everybody somehow or another decides that they're not going to do anything at all. And once the BSV crowd and the, with, you know, BCH is, is permanently responsible for all this crap. Roger is completely responsible for all this crap. Once he showed that you could hard fork a, a, a substantial amount of value away from Bitcoin, from the actual Bitcoin, um, and substantial is a relative term here, we knew that BCH would fork. We knew it. And sure enough, it forked. So you got BAB now. It's BCH is gone. There's no such thing as Bitcoin Cash. It's BAB and BSV. And now it looks like BSV is, it, well, it doesn't look like it, it. It's potential that it would split, which would further degrade that entire, starting with, uh, with Bcash, that entire thing just degrades away. Okay, so despite the unfortunate situation, in-chain CEO Jimmy Wynn asserted that limiting data capacity is not a viable option. Rather, Wynn hopes that service providers operating on BSV will take measures to prevent writing to or reading from illegal content. Again, not not immutable. This uh, th- That's censorship. That's mutability. That's putting limits on everything. Do I think child porn needs to be on the blockchain? No. But when you do stupid shit, like open up the op return limit to 100 KB, the very first thing people are going to do is like, they're just going to flood your, your, your chain with, with crap. There's a lot of people that don't like BSV and they'll do anything that they can to just screw them over. Well, I don't, I mean, I was about to say good for them, but I mean, I really don't care what the, the problem here isn't child porn. The problem here isn't immutability. The problem here isn't censorship. Although those are all problems. It's the op return limit. What on earth? I mean, this whole big block thing is fraught, fraught with difficulty. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, BSV is a smoking pile at this point. Um, yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to read this. This is not exactly blockchain rela- or block coin. Block coin. Somebody ICO block coin. Telling you, ICO block coin. You'll you'll make trillions. Do it. Mortgage your house to do it too, please. All right. So. Uh, Stephanie Kelton has a tweet storm out there and I want to read it, but first a musical interlude to get us in the mood.
American dream. Okay, so I retweeted this this tweet storm from Stephanie Kelton with the tagline, I can't tell if she's trolling or not. Well, uh, at BTC Pat assures me that she isn't. Let's get into this thing. Question, can we afford a Green New Deal? Answer, yes. The federal government can afford to buy whatever is for sale in its own currency. Question, are you saying the government can just print the money to pay for new spending? Answer, is there any other way? Take a breath. Question, is there another way? Yes, you can raise taxes. Answer, that's not how it works. Taxes removes some of the money the government spends into the economy. You could spend and tax the same amount, but the government normally spends more than it taxes so that the economy can keep the extra dollars. Oh, man. Question. But that's deficit spending, so now you have to add to the national debt. Answer. Except the money to buy the bonds comes from the deficit spending! Exclamation point. It's not, quote, borrowing in any meaningful sense of the word. When people swap dollars for bonds, they're just holding another kind of government money. Question. But don't we eventually have to pay back the debt? Answer. The government retires bonds all the time. It's simple. You just debit the seller securities account and credit a reserve account. It's all done using a keyboard at the New York Fed. Question. What about the interest payments? There will be less money available for everything else. Answer. Wrong. The government makes interest payments the same way it makes all payments. It can always spend more on other things. Inflation is the limit. Question. So interest on the debt can never be a problem? Answer. All spending carries inflation risk when the economy gets to full full capacity. If people are receiving spending too much interest income, the Fed can cut rates or Congress can cut spending or raise taxes. Question. Are you saying we can have a Green New Deal without any new taxes? Answer, it depends. What's in, the, what's in the GND and whether the U.S. economy has the extra capacity to absorb the proposed spending at the time it occurs? Question, but we're talking about trillions of dollars over time. Answer, the GOP did well over $5 trillion in tax cuts and war spending without causing inflation to accelerate. And some GND spending will increase capacity, which gives you more room to spend safely. Question. Do you think Speaker Pelosi will read this? Answer. I don't know, but I hope AOC will. And that's the end of it. And of course, she's talking about occasional cortex or, uh, sorry, Ocasio-Cortez, <clears throat> occasional cortex um, uh, came. I can't remember who said who who said that. It is not my creation, but I thought it was freaking hilarious. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't really don't know what to say about this, except to say that Stephanie Kelton has a blue check mark on Twitter, at Stephanie Kelton, Professor of Economics and Public Policy at Stony Brook U, was Chief Economist for the Dems on U.S. Senate Budget Committee. Oh. My. God. I have nothing else to say about that, so that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Oh, man, I'm going to have to take a bong hit after reading that th- that thread. My God almighty. Let's let's get into some better news. Bitcoin's got a rally going on, uh, but not like Litecoin. Let's get into your vitals. Average Bitcoin price, $3,450. It looks as if the low is going to be sitting over there at Bitstamp at 3419 and the high is going to be a Bitfinex at 3527 So there's not a whole hell of a lot of spread there. Uh, transactions over the last 24 hours is uh, 323000 Transactions uh, on 
per hour average is about 13,500. 2,600,000 Bitcoins have been sent over the last 24 hours. Uh, it's 108,000 Bitcoins sent per hour on average with an, action, an average transaction value of 8 Bitcoin with a median transaction of 0.026 Bitcoin or right around 90 bucks. Block time is still low. And that's because we gained a little bit more hash power yet again. So it's 8 minutes, 37 seconds. We've produced 166 blocks in the last 24 hours with an average per hour or block per hour, blocks per hour average of seven. Uh, it looks like the hash rate has indeed gained about 3.65% in the last 24 hours, bringing us just back over 50 exahashes per second. Last GitHub commit was, as you would imagine, today. Um, and yeah, see if there's anything else about this. Yeah, okay. So across the board, we got Ethereum at 110 bucks. We got Litecoin at 39.23. Litecoin, for whatever reason, I I don't know why. I haven't seen any any credible reasoning behind what what's going on. So that's why I'm not reporting on it. Um, but it's last I looked on coin market cap, it was up like 12%. So something's going on with Litecoin. I don't know what. Anyway, average of 39 bucks. Bcash uh, is 119. BSV is 64.43. Ethereum Classic is $3.96. And Dogecoin is 0 0.0018. And at 29,000 transactions over the last 24 hours, it is smoking both BSV and Bcash. Uh, BSV has 4,000. Bcash has uh, almost, almost 10,000 over the last 24 hours. Again, nobody's using your crap. Stop pretending that you actually have anything that we care about. That's going to do it for your vitals. It's torchlight time. It's torchlight time. So let's get into let's get into the torchlight. Uh, let's go from a little bit of the what's going on in the present, and then we'll work our way back uh, into some some past events. So uh, I had been using or am using Tweet Reach by Union Metrics to look at what's going on with hashtag LN Trust Chain. and I I ran the uh, report on it last night, and it said that. 285,000 accounts had been reached by anything that like if LN or if you're an account of one of these 285 at some point or another LN trust chain came across your feed. Well, I ran it again this morning and it was like 185,000 accounts reached. And according to uh tweet reach estimated reach, which is that, that number, uh, is the total of like through all time. So it's not like from what I understand from tweet reach, it's not a 24 hour period. It's of all time. So I don't know how I could do it last night and get 285,000 accounts reached and then do it again this morning and get 185,000 accounts reached. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be looking for something other than tweet reach because that metric uh, differential is enough for me to go. I don't know if you guys know what you're doing. But no matter what they're done, LN Trust Chain's uh, re reaching a lot of people. All right, so um, Hodel Knot has a tweet out there. A little disappointed that at Pavel Rusnak hasn't sent the torch to any of the worthy peeps that have sent invoices. And uh, I think that that has actually cleared up. But it brings up... Uh, the fact that some people are sitting on the torch a little too long, which is one of the reasons, I mean, I, I don't have, like I, I had an LN node set up like a while back, uh, but it was on my computer and then we moved and uh, new city. And, you know, really there's like, it was sort of not the highest thing on my priority list, <laughs> figuring out how to get my kids into school getting my wife settled in her new job, figuring out, you know, how the hell that we're going to do all this. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, it, it kind of fell by the wayside, but uh, I am more than happy to sit back and, and watch these dudes because 
people like John Carvalho are, is, is excited about this stuff too. To the point that he tweets out, and this is at Bitcoin error log. If you don't know uh, John Carvalho, I'd give him a follow, man. I like this dude's cool. Um, I started the LN Trust Chain t-shirt artwork. I have some good ideas to work with, and I'll include all the torchbearers at the time of the release. So if you want in, you have till this weekend. I will donate all proceeds to Lightning Network Advancement Development, which is pretty cool. And uh, he's actually retweeting himself, and he's uh, uh, in the tweet that I'm reading. He says, all right, guys. Time to get at William Shatner on the LN Trust Chains so that his name can be on this T-shirt too. Beam us up, William. Yeah, all you guys start tweeting at William Shatner. Seriously. I mean, make it make it part of like your daily routine, right? Like getting dressed, right? Uh, tweet at William Shatner with LN Trust Chain. S- seriously. And speaking of LN Trust Chain... We've got a situation going on where other people are starting, are lighting their own torches. Now, that means that it's it's a different torch. LN Trust Chain, or hashtag LN Trust Chain, represents the original torch that was originally lit by Hodelnot. Other trust chains are starting to emerge, where other people are doing the exact same thing that Hodelnot did, um, and the reason that I bring this up is that Hodelnot has has kind of a, a plea out to the community where he says, I see there are other trust chains being started. I have nothing to do with any of them and would like for them to not tag the post with hashtag LN trust chain as it creates confusion when people try to navigate slash update themselves. Okay, so when I was looking at this yesterday, it became clear that Hodelnot's correct. Uh, there have been a couple of uh, people that have started their own, uh, lit their own torches and run it around Trust Chain, but they were kind of hashtagging with LN Trust Chain. Since it's not the same torch, it causes confusion. Okay, so thankfully, it looks like the community is taking it upon themselves to rename or, yeah, rename, not rebrand, rename LN Trust Chain uh they're starting a, a, a name. We're watching the birth of a naming convention. People come up. If you don't know what a naming convention is, then, you know, Google it. But uh, as far as programmers or people that, that work anywhere close to computers or in like 3D animation, when you've got freaking ass loads of files and they all, re- you know, the naming convention becomes important. How do you name the file? How do you name the folder? How you know, what's, what did you, all that stuff is important and it's just as important here. So now you're starting to see hashtags with LN trust chain two, LN trust chain three. I think that there may be a four or a five by now. There's at least two and three because I, I see them pop up. So, um, be attentive to the naming convention of the, um, of the hashtag that you're using, whether you're sending or asking for, uh, or asking for the torch. Um, yeah, do that to, to keep, uh, to keep it less messy because this can all, this is already kind of messy as it is. It's good messy, but still let's try to limit confusion here. All right. So use hashtags on the, uh, LN trust chain, LN trust chain two, LN trust, trust chain three, etc. accordingly. All right, so now we're going to get back into the, uh, go through the torches past a little bit, and there was a dark times, Harry, dark times. Um, Hodelot, uh on February the 1st, which is <laughs> like a week ago, <laughs> dark times, Harry. Those were dark times, dark times, a week ago. So Hodelot says, he, and he's, this is a, um, I'll read the whole thing starting from February 1st. There, it's it's a, a series of three tweets. Hodelot originally says, okay, <clears throat> at LN or hashtag LN trust chain almost died yesterday because someone thought it was a stupid circle jerk that needed to be stopped. At Klaus Lovgren took $90 USD dollars out of his own pocket to keep it alive, sending again to a new person. 
his at tip and me or at tip and underscore me page, uh, to show him some love. And then he gives it the tip of me. So, uh, Edward underscore BTC writes back, sent the funds back. I was waiting for him to give me an invoice. Then I saw his tipping link. I never wanted to steal anything. Hodelot then replies, if you didn't intend to steal it, why did you then, one, refuse to forward it after making a big effort to get in, two, say you seized the funds since the LN trust chain was a stupid circle jerk, three, go on to say you would donate the Satoshis when Bitcoin reaches all-time high. So exactly what happened, I don't know. Um, But... This is the second, sort of the second tweet that I've seen um, from Hodelnot that describes uh, the the chain, the torch almost being extinguished. Um, yeah, that's don't do that. I mean, if if you think it's a stupid circle jerk, then don't involve yourself. Because I mean, it's like if you think it's a if you think anything is a stupid circle jerk, and you put your energy into getting into said circle jerk so that you can stop said circle jerk or whatever you're being part of what you think is a circle jerk. So don't do it. There's no reason to. Um, and this kind of goes along with like stuff in the BSV chain full of, of garbage and like, you know, whole, you know, Wikipedia pages, you know, if, if you don't like BSV, then don't have anything to do with it. I don't, I can't stand that thing and I don't have anything to do with it and I'm not going to waste my time stuffing it full of crap. And if I didn't like the LN trust chain, I wouldn't waste my time trying to figure out how to take it from somebody, not give it back to the world because the only thing that's going to do is ruin your reputation. Reputations are everything here, people. They're going to follow you around I've done some pretty bonehead or I've said some pretty bonehead things on my Twitter account. Um, and I hope it doesn't come back to haunt. It may, it may not, but all I can do is try to be a solid Joe. And for those people who think that they're not going to, you know, basically go down for being remembered like a total not. And I'm not sure if he's serious here. Okay. So very, you know, Take the following with a grain of salt. He's got another tweet that he says, the LN trust chain lore is already very rich. At Sir Wisdom 69 will always be remembered as the guy who stole the chain at $9, though. So I'm not sure where Sir Wisdom comes in. I'm not really going to uh, you know, worry about it all that much today. I'll try to get a hold of Hodelnot, do some more, even more background research to find out if there's anything specifically about when the torch was almost extinguished. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for Torchlight for today. So the Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by Mike Daniel Turrell at T-U-R-R-E-L-L-M-I-K-A, Micah Daniel Turrell. And he says, so other than using Bitcoin as money, what can you do with it? Okay, a solar flare knocks out all electronics worldwide. Where's your Bitcoin? Does anyone really know that there is a limited amount of Bitcoin? Can you prove it? Bitcoin is a religion, not a currency. You know, the dipshittedness behind this tweet, there's so much wrong with this that it's not, it's just not even funny. Um, this is, you know, what happens when you run across somebody who literally doesn't get it. And it's, it's impossible. It's impossible because, especially for this kind of person, because the minute that they talked about religion, um, they're at, at that point, it doesn't matter what you say to them. It doesn't matter what you write to them. It doesn't matter how much you care about their education. They're going to stonewall your ass because they're locked in to this, this core belief. And this, this, you know, what I just described goes back to, if you, you know, hopefully everybody listens to 
this podcast has seen the matrix, you know, and it's when Morpheus is talking to Neo and he says, you've got to understand most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. They're not, they weren't in the movie and they're not in real life. This guy is plugged in. And even, you know, friends of mine from high school, okay, think about this, friends of mine from high school, when we all sat around and talked about screwing the man and all that kind of shit, I got at least two of them that can't understand anything other than the Federal Reserve, fiat currency, and the United States stock market. And anything that's outside of the realm of those three things is verboten. You don't talk about it. It's stupid. It'll never work. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's just, it's it's sad. And uh, Micah Turrell is one of these, one of these sad people. So you can thank Micah for bringing you your daily train wreck. As I said in the intro, Terrible Joke Corner is going to be brought to you again, again, by Bad Joke Cat, at Bad Joke Cat on Twitter. I'm about to have a cup of dangerous coffee. Safety first, though. Get it? Safe. T. T E A. It's better to read it, I know, but still, it's a bad joke. It's freaking terrible. I guess it's only proper of me to mention that the musical interlude that brought in Stephanie's tweet storm was brought to you by Pennywise. Uh, song name, The American Dream. All rights reserved to Epitaph Records. Okay, I've, so I've done my bit for, for King and Copyright Country. Uh, Pennywise, I, uh, I, I came across this from somebody in the community, and I, I can't remember, you know, my... my Twitter feed runs by so fast. I there's no hope in freaking keeping up. Um, but it was somebody who had had posted the uh, Pennywise American Dream YouTube, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll listen to it. Desantis po- posts up a whole bunch of music too, and I'm like, I'll, I'll I'll take a minute to listen to what he's listening to. And I haven't heard really good punk music in a long time, and I'd never heard of Pennywise. I mean, I'm I'm not like a a punk head or something like that. I don't like, you know, ha- I don't have like the clashes, you know, albums and shit like that hanging around, but I do appreciate really good punk music. And I got to tell you, man, this has, I mean, it is rooted deep, 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 deep in punk. I'm going to be listening to a little bit more Pennywise, dude. I, I have already, already liked these, like this band. Um, <clears throat> I also wanted to uh, go back and just give a few more extra thoughts on the daily train wrecked. Specifically, I want to address the issue of let's say a solar flare smashes into the earth and wipes out all all electronics. There's two things about that. The chances of that occurring are really, 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 really slim. And from one point, it's because it's never happened in the entire history of the world that we've had electricity and electronic items. There has never been a time when the entire, all electronics were rendered completely obsolete due to a a solar flare or coronal mass ejection or whatever, you know, whatever, uh, people that worry about being attacked by, you know, the same thing happening with EMPs or electromagnetic pulses that are being, you know, detonated by, I don't know, Russia or China or something like that to knock out our electronics. Um, the coordination that that would take, um, governments aren't capable of that kind of coordination. They're just not. Um, that's a big job. And to do, you know, all of the United States <clears throat> and Canada – uh, you know, 
coordinating an EMT, like because you'd have you'd have to have a blanket coverage that happens all at once, or it doesn't even have to happen all at once. You, you but you'd still have to take you know take out have enough coverage of VMP to effectively knock out all communications and electronics equipment in the United States. It's just it's just not going to happen, guys. It's just not. I'm sorry, but it's not. It's it is the least likely disaster that that will ever occur. It's 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 even less likely to occur than a coronal mass ejection from our sun taking out all of uh, electronics across the planet. And here's a big reason why. A coronal mass ejection is only going to hit the sunward side of the earth. Unless that coronal mass ejection is a constant stream of death and destruction for a complete rotation of the earth. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, coronal mass, mass ejection hits the sunward side of the earth and everything's wiped out. Okay, if the coronal mass ejection ends or the, the solar flare ends, whatever was in the shadow of the earth or the dark side of the earth is unaffected. It's unaffected. So you can't wipe out all the electronics on the earth. Now, if the coronal mass ejection or the solar flare was, like I said, going to stream death and destruction on us for, oh, I don't know, um, let's see, at least <clears throat> it would probably, it, let, let's say that for 12, like the, the sunward side represents 12 hours. And so in that first second, all of electronics are wiped out in that first second. It would have to remain there while the earth spins so that it can cover everything that didn't get impacted in that first second. It would have it would literally have to be like a fire-breathing dragon just spraying death and destruction for another 12 hours straight. In the history of the sun that we know of, has it ever, ever, ever given a solar flare that has lasted any longer than a few minutes? So that one, that one thing is one of the reasons why uh, it made the daily train wrecked. The other reason is the whole idea of Bitcoin is that, yes, you can prove everything. It's a freaking public ledger. Of course, you can prove that there's 21 million coins. And if for whatever reason something occurred that would cause an inflation, there's a hard fork. It would happen. It would happen immediately. And, but I, again, that's even, that's even less likely than an EMP attack from Russia. No, that, again, that's why I'm saying people like this are just kind of, they're probably never going to be able to be talked into Bitcoin. Either they will go to their grave believing it's, it's bullshit, or they will turn to Bitcoin on their very own, through their very own mechanisms. Arguing with people like this that hold these weird things that they think are fact, which are in fact not fact, it's not worth your time. So don't do it. All right, guys, uh, I'm out. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope it's like for anybody that's in, you know, place in the United States that's warm, get out, do some barbecuing. Um, it's really pretty where I'm at. It's just 10 degrees outside. But if it was like 50 or 60, I would be planning on barbecuing this weekend because it is freaking gorgeous, 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 gorgeous outside. So go do something outside if you can, if it's, you know, if it's warm or even if it's cold and you got snow, go skiing or snowboarding or something like that. Uh, go have fun this weekend and leave all the, the, the people that think that you're crazy because you think that there's another way other than our traditional economic system. Um, and, and, you know, you can leave them behind and you can also leave behind Stephanie Kelton, who I don't know how she ended up being a chief uh, advisor for any any budgetary concern whatsoever, much less at the federal level reading through that thing hurt. It still hurts. I don't know what to do with it. It's, it's sort of like my cat 
uh, drug in, you know, caught, killed, and drag drug a squirrel into our garage, and savaged, savaged that poor thing. There, the liver was completely removed from the freaking squirrel and laying by the the carcass. I I look at Stephanie's tw- uh, tweet storm sort of like that poor desecrated squirrel who was probably just as happy as could be before it was mangled to death by a 12 pound cat. Yeah. Our, our cats, our cat's actually pretty, pretty big cat. It's like, actually I think it's like more like 14 pounds in either event. Um, leave all the stupid, leave the stupid behind the stupid. Don't take the stupid with you. Don't put the stupid in your back pocket. Leave the stupid behind because it's not going to do you any good. And with that, I'll see you guys on the other side of the weekend. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.